apps of corporate and investment banking lead the conversation on future investment possibilities and sustainable growth opportunities in healthcare. I think it's unfair in some ways that business continues to have to do so much. But at the same time, we have already come this far. If we want to make sure that we complete uh, you know, the marathon, we're going to have to actually add a little bit extra. Matching foresight with sustainable possibilities to unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. Welcome to APSA Insights. I'm Bruce Whitfield. And economist Clanty Pai, the founder of Nascent Advisory, is with us today. And Clanty, I look at this vaccine problem we have in South Africa. Plenty of supply, plenty of places to get vaccinated, plenty of people to apply the vaccines, and a huge number of South Africans still massively averse to the idea of a little prick in the arm to get some protection against COVID-19. Is there any way that we could change mindsets from an economic perspective? Is there an argument to be made, for example, for incentives for people to get vaccinated? Yes, Bruce. So I, I think an important part of this is understanding of what this process is about. And I think South Africans, are, as we know, in our environment, the main thing uh, has always been education and literacy. And I think that's a very, very, very big part of this. I think in talking to people, especially um, community leaders, it's almost as if people don't really understand what the vaccination is. Now, always people always talk about the fact that, you know, when we are all young, we're all vaccinated. So, you know, parents know that they vaccinate their children. And it's something they understand very well in terms of, you know, they took it as a rule that that's what you do. So it's not as if you have a choice about it. And then you introduce choice, and then it means something completely different for people in terms of what they actually can and don't have to do and then they start asking big questions so i think that's the one thing about just the understanding of what vaccines are vaccination in a clear sense and related to something they already understand but then i think the second thing i'm quite right about incentives because it's one thing to say to people they must actually go you know whether you have to get on a taxi or you have to travel to a place what is actually on the other end for it in a way that actually inspires people to go there and i think that's almost like a return and it's something that south africans like quite a lot i suspect I'm going to get something for this. Uh, it's a culture that we've actually built. It's not always good, but certainly getting something out of this is probably another thing, especially because many South Africans have to expend both just effort, but also money to get to those places where they can vaccinate. So I suspect incentives will be very good. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, I don't think, a huge incentive, even if it's just an incentive that covers the cost, whether it be a 50 rand incentive or a 100 rand incentive. I know National Treasury has done the sums on what a, a 350 incentive would cost that would be in the region of 9 billion rand and they simply don't have the money for that. There could be this voluntary incentive program saying, if you do come, we'd be willing to give you 100 bucks to make sure that your costs are covered, at least during that process, because we've seen it with people, discouraged work seekers. People simply can't afford to go and find a job, even if they wanted to. So they sit at home, rather, and preserve every penny that they might get in form of a, a social grant. Perhaps something as simple as that. Absolutely. And I think we see it in training programs, for example, or in some of the information sessions that we have led, you know, in talking to, for example, labor people in the, uh, in, you know, in the labor sector and community sector, for them to actually come to the workshops that we've been doing in terms of the future of work. One of the things that has worked, for example, has been incentives for data or incentives for being there in terms of actually your time. And people find that to be useful and very successful other than saying, you know, just log in, we'll send you a data voucher. Or you actually provide a more cash incentives. People do actually come rather than to say, look, we'll give you the data. So that has also been working. 
working, we've seen it to actually work. And I think that's something that people respond to quite a lot. Sometimes actually even sandwiches and drinks are things that have worked. There is something that when they get there, they'll have a meal. That has also been a, something that has been uh, very successful because obviously people think about when I travel that way, I'm going to wait at the hospital, I'm going to get hungry and I don't have something. So it might also be another one where actually when you arrive, you are going to be taken care of. That's another incentive that has been very, very successful in many of the programs we've run. And I think we could also think about that. We've seen people sacrifice their democracy for T-shirts and food packs. You know, um, <laughs> it, it's well established as, as a cultural norm. Has the boat sailed in terms of making vaccines compulsory? If you try and make something compulsory later, and I've used the example in other discussions as part of this series, in terms of the issue around toll fees, and South Africans were asked to pay what they thought was an unreasonable rate to Sandrail to drive on the roads that they've been driving on for free for ages anyway. And they went, no, thanks. We don't want that. And I, I wonder whether we're having a similar reaction in terms of vaccines. Definitely. I mean, I think that has sales, especially with the information that has been so confusing for so many people around that. So basically to force us to do something that we think we don't have to. Uh, also, we'll speak to that, you know, to touch really, to reach that underpin of us of really protest and pushing away because we do like that sort of thing. So you don't want to put that thing because it actually could worsen the problem even further because then people would actually like to oppose. We, we are really oppositional. Uh, we like that sort of thing. It's the way in which we are formed as South Africans, you know, are protests and saying no. So uh, that's when I think we should stay away from. Okay, so if we're going to then try and incentivize people, the government says it doesn't have the budget to incentivize. From an economic perspective, is it worthwhile, therefore, for the private sector then to stump up the cash to provide an incentive, even a small incentive, to get more people vaccinated? The science suggests we need at least 28 million people, 27, 28 million people fully vaccinated by December to avoid a a, a devastating fourth wave of COVID-19. So is there not sufficient reason, therefore, for the private sector to stump up and say, right, you know what, we'll provide some data, we'll provide some KFCs, whatever the case might be, uh, in order to encourage this behavior? I think that is a a critical question that we should really, really look into. Because I think, obviously, if we do the the pros and cons, we realize that actually it might be cheaper to spend the money on incentivizing people to come because for the money that has already been spent on vaccines for which now we are starting to understand that some of them are risking expiring. So now we're already facing some serious losses and you don't want uh, these vaccines now to be sunk costs. And usually to avoid a sunk cost, we want to be able to say, how could I actually save this? How could I reform it into something that's usable? We use that in economics and in various things. So actually, so to keep the life of the program um, going, I think also many of the businesses that have been helping in the private sector are starting to think about pulling out of this thing because it's not working and they're spending a lot of money to provide the space to provide the, uh, the workers that are there. So rather you pull out or you add a little bit more to make sure that actually it is uh, it's a success because we didn't think about these things um I guess sufficient enough or we saw these examples in the US I think uh, and other places where people were getting tickets to go to the stadium or all sorts of things and that contributed to the success we need to do something like that because actually the danger we are now facing is costs that have already been spent and that also the cost of the economy given that if we don't do this we are actually going to start face even worse costs not just to human life remember the South African economy is about people and it's certainly this kind of crisis it's not what we faced when we thought we had a Y2K problem that was mostly computers and so you couldn't really worry we have to worry that actually the main thing here is people and we can't do without it 
I mean, I think it's unfair uh, in some ways that business continues to have to do so much. But at the same time, we have already come this far. If we want uh, to make sure that we complete uh, you know, the marathon, we're going to have to actually add a little bit extra. Still to come in this EPSA Insights podcast. There's a shift that's happening, and that's a long-term shift. If we are to take care of this and to make a difference in terms of the long-term, we need to nip this problem in the bud now. So it's got the immediate consequences that everybody is trying to avoid, but there are long-term consequences that relate to the changes that we're seeing in the economy. If we are actually going to do it right, therefore, we need to actually attend to one of the key risks that we face. And so we have to vaccinate people immediately, and we have to do whatever we can to make sure that we succeed. APSA Insights. The consequences of COVID, as devastating as it has been to life and life, livelihoods and to incomes in the short term, the long-term consequences of failing to deal with an issue. And we, for example, are looking at a climate crisis boiling on the horizon, for example. Really large parts of the world are seeing it because it's inconvenient to deal with long-term issues. But the long-term consequence of COVID-19 is disruptions not only to economies and to lives and livelihoods and to health issues right now. It's to the future of education. It's to the future of absolutely everything. If we don't nip this thing in the bud as soon as possible, we, we sit with a, a, a 20-year economic consequence potentially. Absolutely. You know, Bruce, uh, the interesting thing that everybody has been talking about, um, you know, who is talking about the future of who's talking about the impact of technology and the fourth industrial revolution says that in order for people to actually to keep people engaged, we're going to have to focus on those, on those sectors that are actually absorb people that are about actually people-to-people uh, interactions, for example. These are important sectors, you know, so as, you know, tourism, these are even actually things about, uh, you know, health services that require people to be together. And if uh, the vaccine is not rolled out, those important sectors that need uh, people-to-people as uh, jobs are lost to the technology developments and the 4IR and robotics, if those, we also now are losing the human-to-human interactions that are needed to create those jobs, then certainly we are in a very, very bad place for the long term and for jobs. So, Kanti, look, we're in a mess. There's no question about it. South Africa is behind the curve. The African continent is behind the curve. Uh, Mostly, I would like to believe, because of vaccine nationalism and all sorts of other issues. The question now is really playing catch up as quickly as is humanly possible. And as an economist and as somebody who is in the business of understanding trade-offs and incentives, it does seem logical, therefore, that the economic solution to a health crisis is by appealing to human nature and to appealing to our desire to want to be rewarded for doing what many of us regard would be logical to do in the first place. No, absolutely. And I think this is exactly where we should be going with this. And when we talk about incentives, I mean, we, we, we understand it very well. Not only is that it's an issue around appealing to what human nature and, you know, tensions for money, but also it's about, you know, we have to share the risk. I always say when you talk about incentives, especially in this country, when we incentivize business, for example, to build infrastructure or to buy, you know, technical equipment, we want to also go in there because there is a potential loss or there's something there that you may not have, you may have to borrow a little bit more. So when you put in an incentive, you're saying, look, we are also sharing in the risk or in the input that you're also taking for the greater good. So that is an important principle um, to take on to say, look, we are talking to people and we're saying, look, we are sharing the risk. You know, we know that this is good for you too, but it's, it's also good for us. So let's share this thing so that we can all actually walk the path. It's something that business would understand very well in that sense, because we know how incentives work, that it's not just because it's good for you but it's also it's good for all of us so we put up tax incentives we put up cash incentives uh you know grants all of those things are usually put together to be able to foster uh, outcomes that are good for 
for society as a whole uh, and the economy as a whole. So I think that is the kind of framework and, uh, and thinking we should actually be communicating to, to, to business and including government actually to actually say, even though they may not have the money, it is important because if we are to actually start raising those taxes and also paying for all of these things that we're going to lose, is to actually put in a little bit of more investment and share the risk with the private South Africans in order for us to get it the place we want to go to. And what if we don't get it right, County? What are the consequences of us <laughs> failing at this critical inflection point from an economic perspective? So let's, I mean, it's very clear. So if we are thinking about the example I was making around those industries that are going to create, uh, that are going to create jobs that actually have the capacity to absorb a lot of uh, unskilled labor that are actually going to help us in this momentum and development of robotics and the fourth industrial revolution because we still have to keep jobs that actually people can do. And one of them is tourism. And we know right now that tourism is under a lot of pressure and under a lot of threat. And it can only be safe if we actually do the right things around vaccinations. Also, so not only as an immediate problem, but also as a long-term problem. That if we devastate it, not just as a short-term problem now that we want to open in so that we can actually have you know some tourism coming in. We actually know it's an industry for the long term. If we don't save it through the vaccination period, it is something that we actually may go away and it will be difficult to bring back, which means it will take with it the jobs that we needed to create as we replace the jobs that are being lost. So there's a shift that's happening, and that's a long-term shift. If we are to take care of this and to make a difference in terms of the long-term, we need to nip this problem in the bud now. So it's got the immediate consequences that everybody is trying to um, to avoid, but there are long-term consequences that relate to the changes that we're seeing in the economy. If we are actually going to do it right, therefore we need to actually attend to one of the key risks that we face and so we have to vaccinate people immediately and we have to do whatever we can to make sure that it succeeds. Andy Pai, thank you very much indeed. Economist at Nascent's Advisory. Expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights. Matching foresight with sustainable possibilities. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit apsainsights.co.za.